Before we kick off this great episode of Total Reboot, Cam and I just want to let you know a couple of really cool things that we're getting up to very soon. Firstly, I want to tell you about a project that I'm really passionate about, really excited about. It's coming up on July 19th at the Giant Dwarf Theatre. Aaron Chan and I are hosting a live table read of one of our most favourite film scripts of all time. It is the Australian classic Looking for Ella Brandy by Melina Marchetta, uh, based on her great novel. She's going to be in attendance as well. It's my favourite movie of all time. It's a movie that means the most to me, more than anything else. And uh, we've got a great cast. We're going to be reading the script on stage. I'm going to be reading the directions. Aaron's going to be playing a character. Cameron James from this podcast is also in this uh, we've also got Jordan Raskopoulos from Axis of Awesome, Theodore Satan that you may know as Superwog, and a very good friend of ours, one of our favorite improvisers in town, Conchetta Caristo, is going to be playing Josie Alabrandi herself. Uh, I'm really excited for this. It's a one-off event, but if peeps of people come, we'll probably get to do more sillier and crazier ones in the future. But this one is super important to us. It is based on the most important Sydney movie of all time, in my opinion, July 19th. Tickets are on sale right now. You can go to the show notes for this episode and pick them up. We'll see you then. Hey, Jungle Babies. It's Cameron here. Just a little reminder, please come and check out my Comedy Store show on Saturday, the 17th of August. I'm doing my solo show, Strawberry Blonde. A bunch of you guys saw it during the festival run, but I'm doing a freaking Encore, biatch, <laughs> and bastard. <laughs> you can start again if you want nope, to. Nope, I'm going to use this. I'm committed to it, and I like the tone that I've hit with it. So if you're a biatch or a bastard... <laughs> <laughs> Come to the Comedy Store in Sydney on the 17th of August and check out my show. I reckon you'll have a lol. I did have a lol. You can just buy tickets from a link in the podcast description itself right now. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Gentlemen, boys, girls, and aliens of all ages, welcome to Total Reboot. I'm Cameron James, and a sitting across from me is the one, the only, the pleasurable, <laughs> the desirable, Alexi Toliopoulos. Cameron James, as co-heads of the Fav Fest 2019, mm. the Jonathan Favropoulos Film Festival, <laughs> it is my esteemed honour mm. to talk about Jonathan Favreau today. Oh, my good Lord. We are right in the thick of FavFest right now. Yeah, we are. In the co- thick of Fav. We're in the thick of Fav. And if you don't know what FavFest is, get out from under the fucking rock that you've been living <laughs> under for the last 2.5 weeks. Because <laughs> we are celebrating all things John Favreau on the Total Reboot podcast and on our Patreon feed as well. That's right. If you're uh, a non-believer, a non-subscriber to the <laughs> Patreon feed, I do not want to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. But do it, dude. Subscribe to the Patreon for this bonus Fav content. The bonus Fav stuff has been some some of my favorite stuff that we've been doing so far on the yeah. podcast. We just released an episode on of Swingers on there. Mm. Jonathan Favreau's first written movie. Wow. We got Made coming out next week, which is his directorial debut. And can I just say, it's so exciting that they got Made made. It is one of the most enticing ideas that someone would be talking about. In Hollywood boardrooms going, you need to help us make maids. And they're like, uh, what are you talking about? Sorry, this I is think too you straight. stuttered. Did you stutter? No. No, I want to get made made. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we've been talking about John Favreau leading up to the Lion King remake, mm. which I think will be one of the biggest movies of all time. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. If that will happen, but I'm very excited to see if it does. I'm putting it 
all in Vegas, baby, on this movie, <laughs> basically. <laughs> You're doubling down on the Lion King right I'm now. doubling down on Lion King going up to 11. It's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, and this, today, we're going to be talking about uh, John Favreau. It's kind of a reboot. It's kind of a reimagining. Mm. It's a sequel, kind of. It's also a forgotten fav. It's absolutely a forgotten fav. <laughs> it's absolutely a forgotten fav. And the Fab Fest is one of the most unique film festivals out there in the world yeah. where we're unearthing forgotten fabs. Uh, it is the early film festival that is can exclusively happen on your phone. We've been talking about how we want to get fab on the phone. Yeah. Cameron's had fab on the phone the whole time. I've had fab on the phone all week. I just watched this movie, this Which fab. Which is on- called, just, we can say the title. We can say the title. Yet. I'm scared. Oh, I'm scared we'll to say it. it. I actually am scared to say I'm it. I'm scared to one. say it because it, it has such power. It's one of the most powerful words, second only to Jumanji, which took yeah. me a long time to have the courage to talk about. I'm still on the edge about saying the word Jumanji. Yeah. I, I mean, even now as I'm saying it, I'm you getting s- chills. I was about to ask, did you stutter? You didn't, but it, your face looked like it did. <laughs> I'm freaking out. So, we've got, we've been dreaming to get Fav on the phone. Yes. I have been him. watching Fav on my phone. I yep. watched this film on my phone today. You watched another Fav film on your phone today as well. I watched two Fabs on the phone today. (laughs) You've got Fav on the phone. I've got Fav on the physical. Okay. I've bought every movie that we'll be discussing about (laughs) on physical media. How much money have you spent? Not that much. Yeah, but let's... Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. I'm just checking the room. You've said the title. God, are we so far, check out the windows? It's dark. I it's can just see stars. Nighttime. It's just night. Okay, okay, okay. But nothing has happened. It okay. is a powerful word, but so far I think we've managed to harness it. Okay, okay. So say it again, but tread lightly. Okay. Because in space, no one can hear you, Cream. <laughs> okay. Hi. Zathura. Okay. Zathura. Oh, gosh. Okay. You purchased Zathura? Yes. I purchased it on eBay. Brand new copy, mm. Australian made, 10th anniversary edition from the year 2006. <laughs> it's the Australian release. Okay. And it cost me eight fifty. That's pretty good. AUD, Australian Ultimate Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> How much in uh, shipping? Zero. Zero. Free shipping? Free shipping. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely one of the most highlights of my week. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting to save some dosh. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I love to save some dosh. So Zathura is the film we are talking about this week. Zathura is a film we are talking about this week. That is correct. And this is interesting because... It's a movie and we love talking about movies. First things first, it's a film. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge okay, I that. apologize. <laughs> I apologize for calling it a freaking movie. It's Zathura made, is a film. It has an exotic title, Zathura. <laughs> a space, Zathura, a space, space adventure. <laughs> and it is directed by Fav, therefore it is a film. It's a film. Or a flick. Fav's flicks. <laughs> he can only make films or flicks. <laughs> yeah, this might be a flick. This might be Fav's first flick. I think it's a flick. I think this is Fav's first flick, I would say. Because before this, what is the he triple made? F? Exactly, Fav's first flick. It's got the triple F. It's the triple F. It's That's Fav's what first it's flick. rated on the DVD. <laughs> rated triple F. Because before this, he'd made Swingers, mm. uh, directed by Doug Lyman, of course. Yeah, but uh, auteured by the Fav. Of so. course, it's auteured by Fav. Maybe it's a film of multiple auteurs. It's got the Fav. Then there's also another factor involved mm. with the making of that film mm. that would say has some authorship about it. Mm-hmm. The factor, of course, being the VVF, the Vince Vaughn factor. <laughs> then, after that, you've got another film, Multiple Auteurs. Mm. You've got written and directed by auteur John Favreau. He's a star of that film as well. Yep. It's called Made. Yeah. There's another factor. They got Made Made. They got Made Made. Congratulations to those boys <laughs> doing it. And the, the factor in this one that is quite different is it has a Vince Vaughn factor also. <laughs> <laughs> then he does Elf. Yeah, no Vince Vaughn factor. No, there's a JC factor. The James Khan factor. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that's how you would possibly pronounce his name. James Khan. James Khan. It's got the James Khan factor. James Khan factor. The JCF. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. Yeah. I haven't seen Elf for a while, but it's a wonderful, wonderful film. Yes. It's a film. It's a film. But this is Fav's first flick. <laughs> I would say this is his first 
Favreau's first foray uh, into yes. blockbuster filmmaking. Definitely, definitely. Elf is a wonderful film, an absolute sleeper hit. Mm. People didn't expect it to do so well. It was made for like a couple... Peanuts. Of... <laughs> it was made for peanuts. It was the first movie since Dumbo to be made for peanuts. Yeah. And uh, that's because Dumbo <laughs> works for peanuts. Yeah. One, if you've seen um, a little film called Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah. you will know that to be true. It's... And you would maybe find it amusing that I would bring it up. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So then Elf paved the way for the great man himself, Fav, Mm -hmm. to branch out into family entertainment. This is a movie that is designed for people to watch with their kids. Yes. It's not an indie flick. It's not a film about his personal experience. This is something for a family to sit together and enjoy. And it is a film called Zathura. Zathura, a space Adventure. And Need you be confused about it being any other kind of adventure? This is adventure through space. And here's what's really fascinating about it for me. Fav is fascinating. Fav, it's fascinating. And I think I'm fascinated by this Fav flick because it is based on uh-huh. a book that is a sequel book to Jumanji. Yes. Which was the first film. That we did on this podcast Canonically There may be an episode released before But that was the first ones we recorded Mm. And it has held its place in my heart ever since then That was the first time that we were welcomed to any kind of jungle Speaking of the Jumanji being our first episode, I got a message from uh, a listener today from on Instagram, champagne.disco. This is what they say. Hey, Alexi, has anyone brought to your attention that you predicted the name of the next Jumanji sequel? Oh, did you? In the last episode of Blank Slate, you were teasing Total Reboot and you mentioned Jumanji and the Jumanji Reboot and you called it the next level or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's in quotations. Just heard it on the app and since the trailer for Jumanji 2, the next level just dropped, it was on my mind, lol. Well, that's pretty cool stuff. I don't think it's a prediction more just like I didn't know what the movie was called (laughs) and I made a guess and then they ripped me off. Maybe they're listening. Maybe they're listening. And if so, maybe we can influence any future reboots. Oh, God. Well... And now we're being welcomed to a different kind of terrain. Space? Yes. And space, no one can hear you dream. And Fav is, of all things, is a dreamer. (laughs) But we are watching him dream with this film. Mm. That's what my review would say. <laughs> if I could get anything onto the onto a poster, it would be that entire chunk. In space, no one can hear dream. And Fav is a dreamer. And we are watching him dream in this movie. <laughs> on one of our missions by the end of this, we should release posters with our quotes from yeah. each episode of what the like for Fab Fest. Yeah. Of each one put our favorite quote on there. <laughs> and that's what's going on Zathura. I was really nervous about this. In fact, we swore we would never watch it. In that first episode, we swore that we would never do Zathura. Too scared. We were too scared. The name holds too much power. <laughs> and we already used all our power saying Jumanji's mm, name. Mm. And we did not say her name in vain at all. <laughs> we said it with a purpose each time. But with Zathura, mm. we had not explored Zathura. No. We did not know if we could say his name. It's a heat. I would say. So these are gendered films. I would say they're gendered films. Okay. Jumanji, gorgeous Amazonian queen. Zathura. (laughs) Zathura is from space. A weedy, reedy space nerd. It's a George Lucas. Okay. Mm. If you were to picture Zathura, he would be a bearded man with a bulbous neck. Okay, great. And the beard does not do anything to hide. <laughs> if anything, it emphasizes it. <laughs> the way that he trims it, it emphasizes it's it. It's an exclamation point on the neck. It is one of the most boldest statements anyone's ever made. Yeah. Not Zathura, I'm talking about that <laughs> neck. And the way that beard is trimmed around it. I say we dive right into this space adventure. Let's blast off. That is such a great way to say it. Well, strap in, roll the dice. And make it nice. There's no <laughs> dice in this movie, this dude. Nuts. Zathura. Will you play with me? Columbia Pictures.
Pictures presents a new adventure from the world of Jumanji. If this is some weird kind of joke you guys are trying to pull, you're dead. What does it say? We go home when we're finished. Gotta keep playing. The game is on. She's frozen in cryonic sleep. Dad's gonna kill us. The danger is real. Your robot is defective. We don't even have a robot. That's your robot? Zafora! A space adventure. 2005, directed by John Favreau. Adventure is waiting. After their father is called into work, two young boys, Walter and Danny, are left in the care of their teenage sister, Lisa, and told they must stay inside. Walter and Danny, who who anticipate a boring day, are shocked when they begin playing Zafura, a space-themed board game. That's a great title for the movie. (laughs) Zafura, a space-themed board game, which they realise has mystical powers when their house is shot into space with the help of an astronaut the boys attempt to return home. That is the official synopsis. Mm, From Mm letterbox.com. I forgot about the astronaut until just now. Until just then? Yep. Wow. Crazy, considering it's, uh, you know... Your favourite actor. My favourite actor in the world, Dax Shepard. Exactly. Who I love from his acting in Punked. He was one of the original punks. One of the original punks in Punked. He started the punk scene. <laughs> he started the whole punk movement, really. He really did. And then, uh, without a paddle, one of my absolute favourite He's movies. in that. Yes. I thought that was a Seth Green and yep. uh, Matthew Lillard joint. Nope. <laughs> Seth Green, Dax Shepard, and some other cunt joined. Are you serious? It's not Matthew Lillard? It's Maybe not Matthew it's Lillard. Are you serious? There is someone else. Look it up right now. I'm going to look it up right now. This is pressing. If, this is pressing. If anyone has not seen Without a Paddle, it is one of those films I talk about every now and then that was released exclusively on DVDs that came free with pizza. <laughs> it really was. And I think every home had Listen, a Listen, you're not going to believe this. Top build. Seth Green. Of course. Second on the call sheet, Matthew Lillard. Oh, my God. Fourth on the call sheet, Dax Shepard. Who's third? Oh, sorry. that was He was third. <laughs> who's, who's on he's, fourth? If, he's, if there's only three, he's an automatic fourth. <laughs> <laughs> Would you guess who's on fourth? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll he guess. fits right in with these. Well, it depends how big the hole is that he's got to fit into. Oh, is he a big fella? Oh, he might have been once upon a time. Oh, he's lost some weight? He, I think he has. Oh, good lord. Who's Newman? No, no, no. Younger. Younger than Newman? Yeah, younger than Newman. <laughs> younger than Newman. Younger than Wayne Knight. <laughs> He's got one of the funnest names. Oh, God. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias? Oh, not Fluffy. Oh, who? Ethan Supley. Oh, I love Ethan Supley. One of the most supple actors of all time, <laughs> Ethan Supley. Yeah. So, anyway, we're not talking about Without a Paddle any no. further, but uh, we are talking about Zafura. <laughs> We have to start, really, with the Alan Parrish in the room. Yeah. This movie is a direct descendant of Jumanji. Jim- Arguably, you could say, it's like a, it's a reimagining. I'd it's say a, it's a reimagining. It's a requel. It's a requel. It's a recruit. Um, it's a return to the jungle. Yes, but in this sense. is space jungle. But it's a jungle. It's a different kind of freaking jungle out there. And... Oh, I, it pains me to say this, but it cannot escape the shadow of Jumanji. Absolutely not. It absolutely cannot. Uh, interestingly, though, um, Jumanji the book, uh, Jumanji a book adventure, whatever it's called, <laughs> by Chris Van Alsberg that we did talk about on that original mm. episode, because on the Blu-ray copy, there is like an animated version of that book. It's like, you know, it shows the pages and then does some cool little animations around them. Awesome. And then Chris Van Alsberg reads it. Zathura, the book, is a direct sequel to Jumanji, the book. As in, same kids? No. At the end of the Jumanji book, the kids, Peter Mm. and Judy, after they finish playing Jumanji, they put it out into the park. And then two little boys come across it. Walter and Danny. Oh my god! So they start. They then they hear that they're they're fighting around. Their mum is like, "Oh, these boys never finish anything they start," and that's the end of the book. They're relieved, 
and that it's been passed on to the next people, mm. much like it follows or the ring. They yes. are now safe. It's <laughs> a absolute horror ending. <laughs> it's a horrible ending, uh, and that's a wonderful book. And then in this Zathura book, they've played Jumanji already, and then they so, play Zathura. This is what happens in the book. The book, uh, I would say, Zathura the book and uh, the film is more. Uh, closer adaptation of Zathura the book hmm. than Jumanji the movie is of Jumanji the book. So the way that this one starts, you pick up right off where Jumanji the book left off. These little boys <laughs> are playing. Uh, they're playing in the in the park. They're having a fight. You can tell that they've got like a they uh, they've got a difficult relationship with these two brothers, different to the relationship to the girls, uh, to the girl and boy in the previous book. And they find Jumanji. The board game. Mm-hmm. They take it home. The little boy wants to play. The older boy does not want to play. It's like, this looks lame. This looks lame. But then they open it and they find that within the box for Jumanji, there's another board. Okay. They pop it out and it's Zathura, a okay. space adventure. Interesting. And so they start playing it. Starts the same way. Comets. Basically, the same things happen, but there is no sister. There's no father. Hmm. There's no astronaut. But it is... Uh, everything else is pretty much the same. Is it all confined to the house? All confined to the house. Jumanji is also similarly confined to the house and the yard. Okay. So it's it's similar in that sense where Jumanji, they take it as a starting point that in the film they make it like this kind of invasion yeah. fantasy. It takes over the town. It takes over the entire town. And uh, can I say, the film is all the better for it. I Zathura so. feels claustrophobic. I really think it does. And I... Uh, it works at some points and other definitely, points it doesn't. Definitely at some points it works. The visuals are great. Mm-hmm. I love the whole like 50s B-movie, Flash yep. Gordon sort of shit that they're going for. I think that's cool. I love seeing that up against this suburban home. Yeah. But it's just, it feels low budget, right? Is it, it a low budget movie? It's low budget. It was made for 65 mil. Mm. It was not a hit. It made 64.3 mil. Oh, you'd be so, spewing. If to you be were Fav, Fav, you'd Fav would have been spewing. furious. <laughs> At least Fav would be furious. Mm. <laughs> if not, he'd be famished because probably not putting dinner on the table that night. Fav definitely would have said far out at some point. He would like. He would have been, Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it it feels like a low budget movie, mm. even though it's got some pretty spectacular post production yeah. and it's really beautiful uh, practical effects. Mm. I think this film has like it's pretty wonderful how everything is practical, and I think that kind of. Keys into the fav factor for us. Mm. Uh, we've started kind of fi- trying to figure out what fav is. Yeah. You made a breakthrough. We're going to be talking about more deeply on our Made episode. Yeah. But the breakthrough that you made, if you want to, on while we were watching Made and discussing Made, <laughs> the breakthrough that you made uh, when talking about Favreau as a filmmaker, Fav the filmmaker, um, <laughs> how, if you could sum that up into yeah. one little bite, what would you say? I would say that Favreau is a student. Mm-hmm. He's a student of life and a student of filmmaking. He's someone who's always trying to learn how to use technology in a different way, yep. how to use genre tropes in a different way. He's learning how to be a maker of the films that he watched as a kid and a teenager, I imagine. And we also talked about how like in the TV shows, he like Chef and Dinner for Five, we go in depth on those talking about how that's him primarily as a student. It's him yeah. listening, him learning. And then his movies are when he puts the ambition of everything he's learned exactly. into practice. But it's also practice in both senses. He is practicing while making the film. So it's interesting because this movie feels like it's a practice for the films that he would make in the next five, six years. Definitely. But also it's it's pretty well... It's, it's like a really good working yeah. <laughs> draft. It's really nice. And I think... Thinking of him as a student making this film, uh, he would go on to make films that are far more CGI heavy than mm. this. Weirdly, this is not a CGI heavy film. It's a lot of practical effects, a lot of miniatures, a lot of real explosions. I think, think of him as the student, it's him not knowing how to how CGI works. Yeah. It's from that practical filmmaker brain that he has at this point. Like you look at Elf, it's like, you know, a fantastical film as well, but it's not 
uh, CGI heavy. Like mm. there's like even like stop motion animatronics and stuff yeah. like that in that, and you know stop motion animation. And in this film, I think it's the same thing where it's like if I can see it, I can film it. True, and I think that's why the practical effects are so heavy in this film and so. Uh, used quite well. I think they're impressive. I think the the puppetry is really cool. The robot, those lizard things, pretty cool. But I think it also falls down on those practical effects as well because pacing-wise, this movie is pretty fucking slow. And maybe that's mm. partly because it's pretty claustrophobic. It's all set in largely the one environment. Yeah. Um, but also, I think like having these gigantic puppets that just kind of clump around slowly. The robot moves mm. very slow. These kids are just like, feel like they're crawling on screen. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, like I started to really get frustrated yeah. with how slow everything was moving in this movie. I think it's really, it's sad to this film's detriment because I think it is a good movie. I enjoyed watching it. But like you said, it is inescapable from the shadow of Jumanji. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's a generational thing, but Jumanji is a pretty well-regarded or well-loved movie. <laughs> but it's not like yeah. a, it's not an unmitigated classic or anything really. But for mm. people of our generation, it absolutely it's is. It's definitely a classic, yeah, for and, us. This is not a movie for, <clears throat> Zathura is not a movie for our generation. No way. But I think there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about on that. But I think where I'll start is that I don't know... Maybe this movie is not slow, but I think that this movie, if we're looking at through the Jumanji prism, which is one of the most, <laughs> the one of the most oh, powerful artifacts that there is, absolutely powerful and beautiful. The Jumanji prism has been lost for many years oh, until God. I went out to the jungle and uncovered it. Yeah, and now I'm using that as a lens to watch all movies. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what it happened to sync up the most. Yeah, but through the Jumanji prism is that Jumanji at all times, has urgency and danger through it. Yeah. Because it creates this whole setup backstory that is absent from the book mm. but is so integral to the movie where you see fucking young Alan Parrish yes, absolutely lose his entire life. Like, his life is set up. Yeah. You see his dad. You see his dad's work. You see, like, the kids that bully him. You see his first love. You see his whole life in like this 15, 20-minute segment. However, it's not a long segment at all. Mm. Then you see it entirely disappear. Mm-hmm. And it's you see how dangerous this game is. Dude, you're also forgetting there's a cold open at the start of that movie, which takes place 100 years oh, before yeah. that, with these people burying the game and saying, like, hopefully this cursed yeah. thing will never wreak havoc upon humanity again. There's that. Then you get 10-ish minutes of Alan Parrish. Then he, What's the town called that he I lives in? I can never fucking remember. Oh, God, it's one of the most iconic towns, yeah, but I can't remember what it's called. It's one of called. America's most beautiful towns. The town of... I want to say Stanford? It is Brantford, Brantford. New Hampshire. Brantford, New Hampshire. It was very close. You see that whole world. Then you get introduced to the new kids and yep. like more dangerous shit happens. Yeah, and before... when you say the new kids, we're not talking about Marky Mark and no. all the new no, kids no, no, on no, the block. No, no. These are new kids, Kirsten Dunst and, and then a little kid, boy. That other boy. But this movie, I think it is incredibly lacking in a cold open. It needs mm. it. It needed to have something that showed the stakes of this game. Like so, Even if it was just a kid escaping the board game. Yeah you know, like, in the 50s or 60s yeah. and, like, and like just being like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm fucking out and then, like, yeah. locking it away and putting it in the basement or something. And I think that this Jumanji, what I loved about it, re-watching it again, why it's really stayed with me this last year, is that it uh, is the perfect kids' horror film. Because mm. there's stuff in there that challenges kids, there's stuff in there that's scary, but there's nothing that's, like, going to rock their world and make yeah. it, like, something that, like, existentially sits with them. Mm. Um, like, there's stuff that gets close, like Aaron Parrish getting sucked into the game. Yeah. And he gets sucked into Jumanji. You <laughs> when really... he gets welcomed to Jumanji? When he gets welcomed really to Jumanji. Really scary shit. Like, that's almost existential, like, sc- scariness, like, about kids disappearing, kids getting kidnapped yeah. and stuff. Like, and, like, that is closest to... But then everything else is, like, giant spiders. You're not going to come across that yeah. stuff. A lion. Monkeys aren't going to come, come and on, kill dude. you or whatever. You know, Van Pelt's not after you. Yeah. Whereas this film, it, the horror element is absolutely absent. Mm. And so I think the urgency of it all is missing. Where in Jumanji, the original, it's an invasion fantasy horror movie where it's like things coming into our world. 
this is like a light portal fantasy. So yeah. portal fantasy is like Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, where you go into the jungle, you're yeah. welcome to, you go yeah. through a portal. This is kind of like that, where you've got like this beautiful tin board game that I think is as beautiful and as inventive as Jumanji, the yeah. board game looks. Yeah. Where it's like this cool little uh-huh. 1950s retro yeah. mechanical. With like ball bearings and yeah. shit. It looks really cool and yeah. it suits everything so well. The opening credits are all about exploring that and mm. looks wonderful. The way you get welcome to Zathura, I'm like, this is a nice welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I like being welcome to Zathura, that's I'm for like, sure. Thank you so much. Should I take my shoes off at the door? Oh, you're a shoes on house? Okay, thank you. Excellent. Wonderful. Thank you. Zathura, thank you so much. <laughs> I can't even say the word anymore. Uh, but then there's no urgency to it. Like, uh, this because they're, they're safe in the house. There yeah. was no point in this that I ever felt the kids were unsafe. Yeah, I know. Exactly. It's almost like it needed more of these alien invasion mm. moments. Like, there's a couple of big things that I, I think are supposed to play as jump scares. Yeah. Like, the astronaut arriving at their yeah. house and... Um, I don't even know. Like, the fucking media shower. But they, they all just felt, like, fun. Like, they yeah. were... I was just kind of going, well, why do these kids want to go home? This looks sick. And I think, I'd love to go on this adventure. Well, you're just to like Zathura out in with space. And yeah. you're like, my house has got a beautiful view. Yeah. The, the meteor shower is pretty cool at the start. How mm. like, they're like, what they get the card out, the card pops out of the game. And like, what does it say? And then like a meteor shoots through mm. the little card. I'm like, that's really cool. That's a cool little jump scare. But I never felt in danger. And I think it's because it never stops being fantasy where Jumanji becomes reality. True. Jumanji is like absolutely everyone's in danger. This is reality and established in that Branford. Oh, that's true. The early Branford sequence. It yeah. really is. Everything's real. Everything changes. And then in this one... You've got Dag running around. You've got Dag making a fool of himself everywhere. But in this, <laughs> it's like... Even the taps work, and they yeah. make that a, they hang on to that point a lot. That it's like I'm going to make mac and cheese, so he can still go to his yeah, fridge. Everything's kind of normal. Get the macaroni, put it on the freaking burner. The gas is still working. Yeah. So for me, watching it, I'm like, oh, they're still just yeah, at their who home. Who cares? I was like, this may as well be this holograms. Would, this would be so much better if they just. You know, if they were going to starve in there or it was freezing, like none of the amenities worked. People were boarding their house yeah. like it was a fucking ship. They crash on a planet. Yeah. I thought shit like that was going to happen. They crash on a planet. They have to get off into this crazy new environment. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, the Lost World or something like that. Yeah. Fantastic Voyage. And they kind of go on this crazy adventure and Dax Shepard leads them through it. But really, it was just, we're in the living room again, but this crazy shit happening Mm. through the windows. And it's beautiful to look at, but it doesn't feel high stakes. Can we talk a little bit about the... um, the drama of this. Yeah. So, Jumanji has one of the darkest uh, dramatic arcs for all those characters. Yeah. Really, like Alan Parrish, obviously, troubled relationship with his father, sucked into a board game for 30 years. Um, the dad and mum go insane. Dad and, and mum go insane, die. whatever. Then when he comes out, his girlfriend has also spent 30 years being yeah. called a lunatic. Um, she's... She's like a medium or something. Medium. (laughs) Then then that's before we even get to Peter and Judy who live with their auntie because their parents died at the start of the movie. Peter's a mute out of like grief and Judy is a compulsive liar. Yeah. It's like fucking tragic. It's this tragic. is a fucking kitchen sink drama. And they make and it's all played for kind of laughs. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, the yeah. tone of capturing all that is amazing. And so this is all like that movie's about kind of overcoming grief yeah. and whatever, you know. But this movie, it's like this is a very real thing. Siblings fighting, siblings yeah. not getting along, one blaming the other for the breakup of a marriage, right? Yeah. But it's almost um it's not funny. Yeah. Their hatred of each other... It sucks. ...is it's... so heartbreaking. Yeah, that's what... When I say it sucks, I don't go, yeah. it's bad. It sucks. It's like, oh, these poor kids. It's too mean. Yeah, it's like, really mean. And I'll, I've read a review about this um, movie where some people said... Uh, I can't remember which critic. Someone was like, hey, Josh Hutchinson, really mm. great actor. Yeah. Too good for this role. Yeah. And I think I got to agree. He's it... too good. He's too good at being a asshole selfish mm. piece of shit that I just 
fucking hated him. Yeah. And I didn't care when he had his heroic moments because he'd been so cruel to his brother at the start of the movie. But then I think it does work when he makes the his arc of him loving his brother and caring about his brother. I guess brother. so, but it was almost like it needed to be dialed down a little. Yeah. Like it could it could have been another actor who was a dick but showed some vulnerability. Yeah. There are scenes there's this fucking moment. This is so dark. Yeah. Where the shooting star goes past and he, he, Josh Hutchinson gets to make a wish on it. And there's like this shot of his face while he's looking at the star. And we as an audience are led to believe that he's wishing his brother never existed essentially. Yeah. And it's like the, it's like the omen. It's like <laughs> yeah. a horror movie. He looks so fucking intense and scary in yeah. that shot that I was like, I'll never feel for this kid yeah. again for and the I, rest of the movie. And by the way, I fucking hate Hunger Games now as well, mate. Okay, you ruined it all. He's <laughs> like Josh Hutchinson's young as hell. Yeah, he's like so fucking young. 11, 10 years old. In and this he's film. really fucking good. I've got to give Really him good. Really good actor. Um, He makes it all real. This has got... And then Kristen Stewart plays yeah. like the older sister who I truly believe is the best actress working of our generation right now. Yeah, you love her. She is fantastic. Personal shopper, incredible performance. She's one of the best. And she's good in this as well, but it's Mm -hmm. like one of those things like she plays everything quite real. Yeah. And I think to me, once again, it's the curse of Jumanji, which is one of the most deadly (laughs) curses that there is. Um, And also, it would be a great sequel name. Great sequel name. The Curse of Jumanji. The Curse of Jumanji. Oh my God. Welcome me to kids, that, please. All the kids meet up in the real world, including Alan Parrish. Peter yes. Jude. Anyone oh, who's... I got bad, bad news about Alan Parrish. Oh no. Unless you get Adam <laughs> Handbird to come play him or something. Um, but I think it's that generational thing where movies like Hook and Jumanji, where those are like the childhood family movies that you and I grew mm. up watching. Mm. And I absolutely love both of those movies. Yeah. Like, to me, they're great. And one of the things I love about them is the child actors. Mm. I love the cadence of them. They have like this sing-songy quality. And like, there's line readings in both of those movies that are just burned into my yeah, brain. Yeah, big time. That, and like, even The Phantom Menace, like Jake Lloyd's line readings, like, that's my generation of child actors where I'm like, I froth this where it's just like you know in Phantom Menace it's like him going like I'm a person and my name's Anakin like the way that he (laughs) delivers those lines in like in Hook it's like you're doing it Peter you're believing you're imagining I love those learnings Jumanji's got so many of them Mm. as well like Kirsten Dunst just absolutely like nailing every single line of that film in this movie I do not zone in on the cadence of these child actors at all. No. And I don't know if it's a me thing, generational thing, or if they don't work. I can't comment on it beyond that. But the younger brother in this film, I found absolutely... I I couldn't... I hated him more than... uh, I hated him more than Josh Hutchinson's character. Because I just couldn't stand his voice... And I felt that every moment was false. And it wasn't even like a Disney um, child actor performance or like a hammy. It was just something about it. I'm sorry. I used to so rude to shit on a little child actor like this. <laughs> but Jonah Bobo is his name. He's probably a wonderful guy. Fav seemed very happy with him in the documentaries that I watched about Zathora. Mm. But I just, I think it's a generational thing where I just couldn't zone in on it. I found him really grating. I, I similarly couldn't zone in on either of the, the performances mm. really. I thought... They were both pretty decent, to be yeah. fair. Especially Josh Hutchinson thought was really good. Yeah. But this Jonah Jonah Bobo, I'm going to disagree with you slightly. I thought he was one of the more adorable really? children I've ever seen in a film. But wow. that worked in a negative way for me because um, his face was like a little mouse. <laughs> He looked like Stuart Little. He looked like little Stuart Little with his fucking floppy ass hair and his little like check shirt. (laughs) And I was like, thought he was so cute. cute. And I'm not someone who's like clucky. You're not clucky. I'm not a clucky person. But But you got your sperm counted watching this movie. (laughs) I did. I was just like, fuck this poor little kid. And he looked so scared and Mm. so hurt by his little brother's words. That I couldn't find him fun. Yeah, I, because I was just that's like, kind of what it was, I guess. I feel so bad for this kid. And the bit where he like goes on board the Zorgon ship, mm. right, which is supposed to be his big hero moment. Yeah, 
he played the fear so believably <laughs> that I was just like, I wasn't going, fuck yes. Yeah, he's when he's doing stuck it. in the dumb waiter he's and stuff. Yeah. I was just like, get out of there. Get this fucking kid off the ship. <laughs> he's going to hurt himself. Get him off there. He's facing mortality right now. When he, when he was in the dumb waiter, there's mm. a moment where they, they have, he's the only one small enough to fit in a dumb waiter yeah. so they can lower him. fucking dumb kid lower the dumb into the basement yeah. so he can do this heroic act. Mm. There's a shot from inside the dumbwaiter as it's going down, yeah. which I think was like one of the most viscerally sad reactions I've ever had <laughs> in my life. Being lowered to his death, yeah, like a canary down because a mine I shaft. I was like, I re- literally in the moment I went, okay, if I was directing this movie, yeah. I would have had this shot. It's a shot of him mm. face on as it's being lowered. I would have had the kid do a big intake of breath and yeah. then go like as if he's stealing himself to do it yeah but no it is just a shot of this kid looking <laughs> fucking terrified trembling being with fear as he's being lowered yeah. down by a grown man I was like I was nearly in tears like get this fucking kid to say why are you lowering a kid down there and can I ask where are you watching this because we know that you're watching fam on the phone are you at the gym are you on public transport I'm on public you're transport you're screaming crying for this I'm on the train watching fab on the phone yep. and I'm freaking you're Freaking out! I was so upset. I got, I got really. There's a, you know, when he's on board the Zorgon ship and he's like trying to. The way that you throw that Zorgon ship line away, <laughs> just like that. You know the Zorgon ship. He gets. He on, he's on there doing the Zorga, one of the most famous dances. <laughs> yeah, you know, he boards this alien ship to the re- Zorgon ship. The Zorgon ship to yeah. retrieve the game yeah. so that they can all get off fucking Zathura or whatever it is. And uh, there's a there's like a farm on there. With those mm. animals. Yeah. And he's like walking through all these goats. Yeah. And he's just like, they're just goats. They're just goats. And then one of them turns around. It has like six <laughs> eyes <Yeah>. on stalks. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, they're not goats. They're not goats. And his face, he looks like he's going to burst into tears. <laughs> he's I- being confronted by the reality yeah. of seeing goats <laughs> with six eyes that pop out of their and eyeballs. And it was played surreal. I yeah. was like... I couldn't deal with it, dude. Like, it viscerally, yeah. really, I, I got affected. Wow. I don't know what's going That's on. That's so funny because I felt like the 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 thing about this movie for me was that there was no danger. There was no horror. There but is this no kid danger. was playing it yeah. like that. Well, for this poor little boy who can't even catch a fucking baseball, <laughs> this is the scariest shit he's ever seen. He, and he's playing it for real. There is one moment i got to give this kid for. I had a laugh out loud moment in this where I thought... He had a line reading that was so funny to me. <laughs> that is such a funny comedy moment. There's some good comedy moments in this, like especially yeah. family comedy. This one hit me so hard mm-hmm. when the meteor is ha- meteor shower is happening, and the first little things are shooting through their house and their roof, and they're looking around at them. And one of them comes through and hits and destroys an urn. <laughs> and that kid yells, Grandma! Yeah, that was funny. That's <laughs> like just such a. Sh- it's, then it cuts away from that never addressed again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that the was funny. shock on his face was so funny because he did it as real, like not like a joke line. I know and it was so funny. Well, that's the thing; these kids like they don't really. Very few kid mm. actors know comic timing, yeah. irony, and stuff. So it's like this, Macaulay they, Culkin. That's yeah, it. Yeah, he's the one. And me, me, I was very funny. <laughs> but he's like they can only act for real. Mm. If Favreau's like, all right, there's media's bursting <laughs> through the roof now. They're just gonna scream. <laughs> one of them and comes and terrified. destroys your grandma's urn. Your yeah. early memories of her. Grandma. Yeah, they're not like, oh, it's funny that it's it's smashed the earth. They're like, it's terrifying. It's fucked. <laughs> yeah, really fucked. Um, okay, so that's the kids. Let's shall we talk about the Dax Shepherd of it all? The DSF, the Dax Shepherd Factor. <laughs> okay. Do you like Dax? Yes, I love Dax. Me How too. can you not like Dax? He's so goofy, charismatic, yes, funny. He's a very cool. likable actor. He's yeah. cool. He's also he's a good actor. I think he's good. He's not like he's. Yeah, whatever. But this movie, it feels like it was at a point in time where Dax could have been a movie star. Yeah. He'd been in some movies. This seems like it was building him up to be, dare I say it, a Chris Pratt type. Fuck yeah, dude. You dare say it and dare to dream. You lived the reality of the moment and it worked. (laughs) It worked for you to say that. It makes sense. It checks out. It's a Chris Pratt role, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's kind of... He's handsome, he's heroic, but he's also like a kid in yeah. many ways. And this is kind of almost like... it. This is only after Without a Paddle, 
He did another movie called Sledge, then Zathora. Then you've got Employee of the Month, Idiocracy, and then more of his broader comedy stuff. Yeah, I would say after this, he didn't really ever get to do anything like this again. And he was pretty good at it. Um, I think he could have gone down a route of being in those kind of movies. Yeah. Imagine Definitely. if he got jacked, dude. Imagine if he was like Captain America or something if like Dax that. If Dax got jacked and became a superhero in the MCU, I mean, I would not be against that. If Dax became Drax oh, in the dude, MCU? I would not be against Dax, Drax Shepard. <laughs> I'd be into that. You'd be into it. He's like, he had the charm, he had the charisma. Yeah. But he just, I don't know, something, something didn't work. I don't know what it was. Maybe he's just too, he's goofball. He I think likes he doing, likes it. Likes doing silly he, comedy. He likes to be goofy. And he's on is, Parenthood. Yeah, Parenthood was, he's great in Parenthood. Yeah. Oh, man. He plays like the Tom Hulse, Tom, Tom, Thomas Hulse role, I think, in that. Yeah. Oh, so good. I love Parenthood. Yeah, Parenthood's awesome. Man, we should do the whole series as a reboot <laughs> of the movie. You got fucking Ray Romano in I it. I know, come and on, And Craig dude. T. Nelson. Come I mean, on, absolutely dude. come on, dude. Absolutely come on and come off. Do you dude. want to hear, speaking of come on and from Parenthood? Yes. Dude. You know in Parenthood, the scene where Mary Steenburgen, like, gives Roadhead to Steve Martin? Oh, yeah, dude. And then a cop pulls him over and stuff? Mm. Um, In Book Club, Mary Steenburgen gives... Uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson a hand job while driving there pulled over by a cop. Really? History is, repeating. And Craig T. Nelson is in Parenthood, the TV yeah, show. that's wild stuff. Isn't that just like a weird little yeah. thing that she's going <laughs> on? Like, <laughs> that is like, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. I, I fucking... s- yeah. I saw Book Club with Kate Jiggs. I was like, hey, sorry, i got to tell you this. <laughs> while, while that scene's happening. Hey, sorry, I can't stop thinking about this, but she's done this before. This has happened to her before. <laughs> Wow, that's wild stuff. Yeah, so is Athura Dax Dax in this movie? What does he do for you? Oh, look, I just really like him. I have yeah. such a soft spot for him. Me I don't too. know. I don't even know where from, to be honest. I think probably just punked and idiocracy, with, maybe. Yeah, without and, a paddle. and without a paddle, yeah. just shit like that from that era. So I'm happy to see him. It makes me wish he had a slightly different career and was in bigger movies like this. Yeah. in a way. I think he works as the hero, but I really? I, I yeah. probably think um, you know I, I was watching it going ah uh, if you know it could have been done if it was someone slightly different even like even like a like Chris Pratt would have hammed up the comedy more which yeah. kind of would have worked yeah Dax he kind of plays it pretty straight he plays it straight in this yeah, and yeah. It's, it's an odd choice mm. it's a choice I don't disagree because in a way he's the replacement for uh, Robin Williams yeah so. It's crazy to not have it be, let's make him weird as fuck and like a crazy character. Which is like Robin Williams in the original Jumanji, he like plays it, he plays it pretty real. Like he plays Mm. the reality of being a madman. Mm. I mean, this is Fisher King Robin Williams basically, where he's like fully living as a nomadic madman. (laughs) And I think he plays it straight, but it's four laughs. Like everything he does is funny. But then there's the reality of like the scary moments, like where he has to put the dice in his mouth and stuff. Mm. (sighs) Man, I wish I could put... (laughs) Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, did spoilers for Zathora, okay. a space adventure? Yes, dude. Go there. Let's go we'll there. We'll go there. If you've not seen Zathora, a space adventure, it's available on your phone or on physical media <laughs> via eBay. Um, and it is, there is a moment that I don't like. I saw it coming. I did. And then I got subverted by it. I can't remember. There was a line that was said. Um, We'll reveal it as of now. If you don't want to listen to this anymore, yeah. skip ahead a but few minutes. But also, who cares? It's yeah, who cares? Zathura. It's <laughs> It's Zathura Space Adventure. I don't know why I'm going on like, uh, if you've not seen Sons of the Lambs, uh, <laughs> if you've never seen the crying game, we're talking about it right now, and then we're going to be talking about a big moment that happens in the crying game, okay? So if you haven't seen the crying game, don't pay attention to this, okay? okay. So um, it is revealed that Dax Shepard is the older... Um, Hutchinson. Josh yeah, Hutchinson. he's like a grown-up alternate universe version, I guess, of yeah. Josh Hutchinson. Well, he's been trapped in the game, I guess, for a while, um, and then he's like, uh, then he's like, uh, he's I-, I made the wish that my brother disappeared. Yeah, he is the yeah the version of Hutchinson who wished mm. that his brother disappeared, and as a result, got stuck in the game for fifteen years. No one could years, do the turn next, and has somehow through a time portal or something traveled back in time yeah. to stop the younger version of him from making the same mistake. And now he is the astronaut. Which I was into. I, yes. I thought that was cool. I didn't see it coming. Um, I only saw it coming. Do you know what the signpost was for me? 
There was a few, which I, I knew there was something up, but I didn't quite see that. So tell me what the what one got the you. The signpost where I'm like, this is it, was um, uh, Josh Hutchinson's first card that he receives is move forward two spaces, you're a space admiral now. Oh. And then um, when he like tries to pull rank on Dax, mm. Dax is like, I got one of those two, no big deal, it's just a card. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's the, it was like looked older or whatever. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's that. But then Kristen Stewart meets Dax when she gets uncryogenically frozen because that's that's something that happens to her mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. She gets cryo-frozed. Mm-hmm. And then um, she meets Dax and thinks he's hot as fuck. Yes. And she's like so into his eyes. Like it's like it played for like this sexy moment mm. where he like he stops like, hey, you got to listen to us and follow us on this one. She's like, I'll do anything or mm. whatever. It's like paid, played for laughs. And I was like, oh, he's definitely not him then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... That's why I didn't think it was him because yeah. can I say something? Yeah. That is insane. Yes. That's an insane thing to have in a kids movie. Yeah. That she is sexually attracted to an older version of her brother. Yes. Into to, to his eyes in particular like to hone in At on something. At least I thought about this a lot when mm. the movie ended. Yeah. Cuz the movie ends on a joke about it. Yeah. The movie <laughs> genuinely ends on a joke about this about, realization. About like uh yeah, do you still want to fuck me? Essentially, yeah. is what I just like. <laughs> shut up! Don't talk about it again. It's but then like... it's joked about again when it's revealed that he is the brother. She's like, oh, but I want to fuck him or something. Like she doesn't say fuck him. She's like, oh, oh my god, he's you and you're. But I wanted to, and then she gets cut off. And I yeah. guess the she was gonna say kiss him. I want to suck his fucking. I want now, to suck his balls through his cock. I was in love with him. I think it's fucking. Fucking inappropriate. I think I'm going to say it. This is inappropriate humor. It's not appropriate for children, this. No. Not at all. And they're going to have to grow up knowing that forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hutchison is going to grow up being like, well, I guess when my I get sister to this age, is going like, to fuck me know, at some point. <laughs> and she's going to grow up being all fucked up because oh, yeah, exactly. she wants to ruin like, her younger She's going to be like, oh, fuck, he's going to turn 21 soon and I'm gonna, it's going to kick in. The hormone's going to kick in. I'm going to look at his eyes. Yeah, she'll, exactly. she'll, it'll drive a wedge in their family and she'll move away. Yeah. Weirdly, we talked about how Jumanji... Um, is a perfect kids horror movie because there's no existential horrors in mm. it. This movie is not a horror movie yet. There is the darkest existential horror <laughs> in this moment that we're talking about now, where they will be haunted by this <laughs> and change their lives forever. Yeah, I didn't like that. Hopefully, John Obozo or whatever the kid's name is <laughs> was too young to understand this. One thing I really liked uh, about that mm. plot, that subplot, was the <laughs> is that Dax tantalizing nature of that relationship. <laughs> Dax Shepard doesn't play it for, um, he doesn't play up being like hot or anything. Mm. There, in fact, there's moments where he's really uncomfortable with the attention that she's giving him, which I thought on the first watch, oh, it's just because of the age gap. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, this young girl's being a bit flirty with yeah. me. But clearly it's because he knows she's his sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was nice that he it wasn't like they didn't go for the fake out that hardcore yeah. where he's like a bit flirty with her as well. Like he was uncomfortable with it. Absolutely. Which I thought was cool. Yeah. But also just why the fuck is that in this movie? It's really It's, it's so not gross. On. It feels like it's only in there just to throw us off the scent that he's the older version of yeah. Hutchison, right? But who gives a shit? I wasn't thinking that. Yeah, like, not at all. And kids wouldn't be thinking that. I don't need this. Oh, it's so gross, dude. It's really weird. I that's like I that's all I've been thinking about. Me after too. That. That's the because the movie ends on that punchline where yeah. he goes like, "Do you still think my eyes are gorgeous?" And she goes, "Shut up. Never speak of that again." Yeah. End of movie. But not. It's just the start. <laughs> start. <laughs> that of is the true trauma. Curse. That's the true curse of Zathura. <laughs> is that you're gonna have trauma for the rest of your life? I found that really gross, dude. Absolutely. There are maybe we can talk about some lighter things that are good <laughs> before we wrap the episode up. Okay. We're talking about the look of the film. Mm. Um the the cinematographer of this film is one of the greats, Guillermo Navarro, who shot this film. It was his first time working with Fav. And let me tell you some of the movies that he did. He's Guillermo del Toro's cinematographer, also Robert Rodriguez's cinematographer. So he did Kronos. Desperado from Dust Till Dawn, 
Um, Jackie Brown. Love that movie. A little movie directed by Stuart Minkoff that you've already mentioned on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the way that he captured some of the faces in this film (laughs) that you zoned in on. He shot Stuart Little. (laughs) Oh, wow. So he's already like, you know, Devil's Backbone, Spy Kids, uh, Hellboy, Zathura. Right after Zathura, he receives almost every fucking award in the game for shooting Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, wow. Then no he shit. goes on to directly do Night at the Museum. So he's like kind of like the expert of exactly this thing of mixing practical, yeah. uh, like practical shot effects, capturing those perfectly, then lining up the digital effects to kind of play well as well. And so I think he brings a lot to this movie. I think this is a really pretty movie. Yeah, me too. And he makes a good use of the space that they're shooting in, like it being like we kind of had a problem with it being the same thing mm. over and over again. But I think to an extent he is able to transform what is like this kind of like Californian two-story mm. handmade crafted home that is like it's a bit of a boring home because it's, it's a dad who's just been divorced mm. and moved out trying to make like this house into a home for his family like slowly. And so I think the production design of that works, but it just makes it less exciting than Jumanji's like, yeah. incredible production design. Yeah, and that house is amazing. Amazing. Jumanji. I would love to stay there in any condition. Oh, my God. The Parish Manor? The pa- Parish Manor is one of the most beautiful places in all of Bradford. <laughs> right after Parish Shoes. Those are the two. <laughs> oh, you should see it now. Absolute dump. Are you serious? Yeah, dude. Really fell in oh disrepair gosh. after... The- that guy's kid disappeared all those years ago. I heard that his dad chopped him up into little pieces. Nah, that's just an urban legend. Oh, God. Anyway, you can go visit the parishes. Well, too bad. They're I'm in the gonna... same place they've been for the last 12 years. Where's that? The cemetery on John Street. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! <laughs> no, I'm too busy hanging out with Colin Hanks and the daughter they named oh, after the yes, girl that he was dude. in love with in the game. <laughs> hey, um, the... Another positive mm-hmm. I'm going to throw yeah. at this movie is Tim Robbins. Really? Yes. Okay. I bought it, dude. I bu- I don't think I've ever been a Tim Robbins fan. Really? My entire life. <sighs> and people love him. People do love him. He's like a celebrated actor of that generation. Mm, actor, director type guy. Yeah, no. and I just, I've never really gotten on board. I think, I've, maybe I haven't seen the right things. Yeah. I've seen him, you know, like, I, I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. I've never seen Shawshank Redemption. Which I've is the one it, everyone loves him for. Don't care for it that much. Uh, Mystic River I've seen where he plays Great the abused movie. kid. It, yeah. It's a good movie, but he's so fucking melodramatic in yeah. it that I've never loved him. High Fidelity, he's like got that cameo as the yeah, creepy. Yeah, creepy dude. So I've never like really connected with him. Yeah. But in this, I was watching him play the father to these two boys mm-hmm. And I thought it was really a really great decision from both him and Fav yeah. to make him not be a shit dad. Yeah. He loves his kids. He yeah. loves them both equally, even though they are at odds. He loves... Yeah, that moment that he plays when the younger kid like is trying to get one mm. up on the older one where they're just together alone. And he's like, am I more imaginative? And he doesn't. He just goes, you're different. You're different. And I think that was, even though he didn't know the other kid was listening, yeah. could have been an easy win, let his son have one. He totally. couldn't say it. I loved it. Wow, yeah, you're and right. And I thought it was, um, I thought his style of being a dad in this movie reminded me a lot of Favreau's performance as a mm, dad in Chef. Yeah. Where he's, it's kind of like tough love. He's a bit blokey, but he's also creative and... He wants to give time to his kids, but he also yeah. has to fuck off and work. And I just, I really enjoyed those opening moments with yeah. him. I thought it was really, a really nice portrayal of a father. Yeah. And it could have been a deadbeat dad. It could have been like that Van Pelty type <laughs> yeah, performance, yeah. that Peter Pan thing. Yeah. But this movie steers clear of the Peter Pan it works. Whereas we watch Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, there's all this signposting for the Peter Pan shit and then it doesn't go into it. Yeah. That was like our, I remember yeah. that being a big problem with that film. I kind of thought there was going to be a moment like that in this, to be fair. Yeah. I thought Tim Robbins would like voice the robot or something. Yeah, or be the villain or something. Yeah, like, some I was, a, I was a bit disappointed that they didn't really go down that path. But, but I thought it was fine. I, this movie is, it's a nice little movie. Yeah, it's nice. It's probably just not for us. Yeah, I think it's just for a generation younger than us. Favs might have nailed it, but I think as well because 
you know, we look at the pedigree of the people involved in this. You've got Guillermo Navarro, you've got John Favreau, you've got Chris Van Olsberg's adaptation mm. of his book, and like those are people we look up to. David Coop wrote the main yeah. screenplay yeah. as well, who I think is one of the best adaptation writers there is. Death Becomes Her, Jurassic Park, Carlito's Way, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, uh, Snake Eyes, Panic Room, Spider Man. Yeah, he yeah. I mean, he's Spider-Man. he's like a Hall of Famer Hollywood screenwriter. Exactly. Yeah, it's... he wrote and directed freaking Mordecai for goodness sake, a movie that I get every day closer to watching. <laughs> I've never seen it yet, but I'm so close every day to chucking Mordecai on. He also wrote alongside Macquarie. The Mummy. Yes, 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 yes. That's the first credit of his that comes to mind, actually. Are you serious? That's Weirdly. what you with David Cope? Yeah, because wow. I think it's just because I stared at, I've stared at that end credit sequence mm. of The Mummy in absolute abject horror <laughs> and shock and awe, yeah. and that name is burnt into my brain from that. Wow. I'm so, always... Carlito's Way I've seen probably six times this year, <laughs> and so I always think Carlito's Way too. So... Yeah, I think here's what my takeaway is. If you're out there and you're thinking, should I get welcomed to the space? Should I go to Zathura? Should I watch it? Yeah. I would say watch it as a case study of future Favreau blockbusters. I think this really lays down the groundwork of what he will do with Marvel Mm -hmm. and hopefully what he's going to do with Disney. He's like figuring out a way to speak to multiple generations at the same time and to use effects and to create a thrilling ride. And maybe it doesn't really work for us because we're a bit too old for it, Mm. but I think kids loved it. Yeah. Would you you recommend this to kids? No, probably not now. Too much time has passed. Really? I think think movies have gone on. I think kids nowadays really like the fucking superhero ones. But would you still recommend Jumanji to kids? Like, say there's an eight-year-old having a sleepover and you're looking after them for some reason. Like, <laughs> like eight, eight eight-year-olds. Is and one you're of them the, like, Jonah Bobo? One of them's Jonah Bobo. Honestly, I'd just Ponda pick Barber. his brain. I'd pick his brain about that Zorgon shit. <laughs> what, what did you see there? You look terrified. <laughs> what was going through your brain as an actor? But would you go... Would you, you've got two movies. You've got Jumanji and Zathura. Mm. And you've got not even, you don't even have Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. You only dude. have those two. Because Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle you put on because kids would shut up and watch it. Yeah, dude. Because they I love mean... Kevin Hart. But this one... <laughs> kids love Kevin Hart's stand-up. Yeah, they love... <laughs> uh, but what, which one are you putting in? Oh man, I mean, like obviously, my favorite is Jumanji, but I think maybe the maybe kids would like Sethora more. Really? Uh, see, I think I think Jumanji I is think, such a great welcoming to dude, horror. It's sick, but I think kids would get. It takes twenty five minutes for anything to happen. I think they <laughs> they get love bored. shoes. They- <laughs> It's all about this. They get the inside of our the shoes. The inner workings made. of the shoe factory. Yeah, just, and, <laughs> and then, like, these kids going through the trauma of their parents dying. Kids are sneaker freaks. To see how the first sneaker was invented by a guy that would later become a cop. Yeah. And his career gets ruined because it gets destroyed by a yeah. kid. They're like, this is our history. This is part of I our do, history. I think I think kids would be more into Zathura. Yeah, probably. Because it's got, it's got a monster. It's also lit brighter. And yeah, kids it's really like bright. brightly lit things. They love bright That's stuff. That's what we know. They're the dankness. Yeah. That's interesting to note, though. Favreau would, after this, go on to helm Iron Man, the first the brightest MCU movie film. ever made. Bright, bright, bright movie. <laughs> um, you can see the, like you said, you can see the links from the sort of that yeah, the trajectory of that, and then <clears throat> that like goes and he creates the modern blockbuster. Yeah, who's the other person that get involved in that? Joe Johnston, yes, director of Jumanji, Jumanji. to make Captain America the Big first time. Avenger. Big time, dude. And I got to say, at this point in Fab's career, he is no Joe Johnson. Mm. But then he overtakes him. I think he's a blockbuster Absolutely. filmmaker. But yeah. but Jumanji is a better film. Yeah. Sorry, Fabs. I love you, but my god. <laughs> <laughs> but you are my god. Of course, that's what you meant by that. Yeah. Cameron meant that he is. You his are god. my god. You are my god. Um, <laughs> Fabs, get us on the phone. You can catch me on zero four. Uh, plus six one four for Australia. Yep, if you yep. want to get him, get on me there. I'm on Skype, Fabs. Yeah, you're on. Know. You're on Twitter and Insta. I'm on Twitter and Insta at this is Alexi. Yeah, and if you want to get in contact with Cameron, you can catch me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at I am Cameron James. How about that? And uh- <laughs> God, I wish she was in the next Jumanji movie. She's the funniest person dude. bad baby come on dude. she's a bad baby 
That's funny. <laughs> you can uh, join our Patreon. Yeah, where we're doing way more Fav Fest stuff yeah. on there as well. We just released an episode on Swingers, which is great. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this stuff. We got Made as well mm. coming out this week. We're talking more about the Chef Show on there as well. On that episode, more Dinner for Five, more Spider-Man, Far From Home. Coming out as more, even more of that in the future. Very exciting stuff. So, patreon.com slash total reboot. Five bucks a month gets you access to all of that, plus access to our Patreon exclusive Facebook group where we talk about what we've been watching with all you guys. It's a great way to support us and keep the lights on on this podcast. And mm. this is one of the most brightly lit podcasts <laughs> that there is. It's like freaking Zathura in here. <laughs> I mean, come on. You're looking outside, you're seeing space, you're looking in here. It's bright as fuck. It's bright as fuck. <laughs> anyway, screw you guys. I am going home. Before I do that, um, <laughs> if you love reboots, I am doing a reboot next week myself. Mm. Cameron is in it. I uh, mean, Aaron Chen are putting on a live table read of the script for our favorite movie, Looking for Alabrandi. Australian classic. Um, one of the great Australian movies of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. We're doing a table read of the script with funny actors like Cameron, Jordan Raskopoulos. Uh, Theo Saden from Superwar, Conchetta Caristo, the Freudian Nip Girls have been on this podcast. We're doing a live table reading of that script. Melina Maqueda, the author of the script and the book, is going to be there as well. <clears throat> uh, it's awesome. Ticks on sale right now, July 19th, Friday at the Giant Dwarf Theatre. And speaking of reboots, I'm going to be rebooting my stand-up show from this mm-hmm. year at the Comedy Store in Sydney on August 17. It's going to be set in space this it's, time? Uh, it's Zathura style. <laughs> it's called Strawberry Blonde, A Space Adventure. <laughs> and I'd love you to come along. There'll be so many Zorgons, too. <laughs> August 17. Get tickets now. Um, it's August 17. Link in, the <laughs> link in show notes as well. Link in show notes, too. Cameron, to close out this podcast, mm, mm. I want to say his name one last time and say it together so we can put all the power in this world into it and vanquish the curse of that cursed game. Zathura! Scary. Yeah, I feel released though. (laughs) 